and welcome to the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach based in London. In this series of the podcast, Running and Me, I'll be chatting with runners about why they started running and the benefits it's had to their health, both physically and mentally. On today's episode, I'm chatting to Ben Cook. Ben is an Oxford-based runner who has combined his love for travel and running in a project called Run 12. This project sees him run 12 different marathons in 12 different countries over 12 months, all in aid of the Alzheimer's Society. Ben documents all his running on his blog, and that can be found at runningmancook.com. So Ben, we met um, just over a year ago in Tokyo, and that was at Namban Rengo, which is an international running club based in Tokyo. So I was hoping you could just uh, kick this off and just explain what, what made you end up in Tokyo and how you came to find Namban Rengo and join that group. Uh, yeah, so well, firstly, Amy, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to chat to you about running always. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I ended up in Japan just through my work, really. Uh, I was lucky enough to sort of get an opportunity there um, in like a finance job, which is what I do. Obviously, the running culture in Japan, once I was there, I wanted to kind of see it for myself and try and get involved. And luckily, Namban Rengo, they've kind of um identified themselves as like the international running group group so it was really great to get involved with like loads of different people from around the world it was run by this um sort of i think a 65 year old i know you met him amy but yeah someone that he told me he moved there like kind of 20 30 years ago and had just fallen in love with it and never left yeah absolutely crazy like he'd been in japan longer than like we'd been alive so uh (laughs) I can even imagine like what it was like back then, but obviously the sessions were always at the track, probably one of the only tracks uh, in in Tokyo because it's just full of full of houses. Uh, but yeah, they always did a five uh, k time trial every month, which I believe is the day we met. I actually yeah. have a funny recollection from that day because <laughs> I'm not sure we... if I want you to share it. <laughs> Go no, ahead, because... I'll risk it because. I remember we were stood at the start line of the 5k and you, you, we were just obviously uh, introducing it to us to each other. You asked me kind of what the standard was. And my response to that was, well, the winner will do it in about 16 minutes. And then we started at that point. Yeah, I can remember. And I remember, I remember you saying to me afterwards, like that was the worst possible advice because you thought this was like an elite group, but obviously <laughs> it was like mixed about. To be about. fair, they are very, very fast runners, some of those people. I can remember there was a few evenings because they had different sessions every week. And there was a few where I just blew up at the beginning because the people I was running with were so fast and I just got a bit yeah. carried away to start with. Yeah, so true. Like it was, it was mixed ability. What like from I don't know what sixteen minute five k to probably twenty five thirty, but mm. they only did two groups, didn't they? So you had like yeah. the massive spread. <laughs> Definitely fast runners. I think one of the things I was surprised at when I got to Japan is because there is such the, there is such a huge running culture in Japan. I found running a little bit difficult to access in Tokyo in terms of running routes. Um, finding nice places to run where you weren't kind of constantly having to stop to cross roads and wait for traffic lights and loads of people everywhere. Was that your experience when you were running in Japan or did you manage to kind of find those routes a little bit more easily than I maybe did? Yeah, I think that it is. it was really hard. Um, yeah, you had the track and I think that is probably why the track was so busy all the time when mm. we were there, just because 
that was like one of the few places where you can just get a decent session in um but yeah you do you end up sort of stopping for red lights everywhere because there's not as if there's like roundabouts or anything but yeah it is it is a bit frustrating and you just try to find big parks i know the imperial palace is probably the best place yeah that's where i replaced my greenwich park loops with imperial palace loops but there's a few times i would plan routes to green areas and i'd get there and realized it was like a shrine or a temple where you weren't allowed to run or maybe even go in at all so my whole route planning went out the window a little bit yeah it's very true it it is hard though i completely get that but i we kind of embraced the you know running through the skyscrapers and running through like the shibuya crossing for example i used to go there Mm. at least probably once a week that was super cool Um, yeah it's great as a tourist i definitely i did most of my exploring by foot there for sure 100 percent. but yeah i loved it i absolutely loved it now you're back in london what would you say is the thing you miss most about living in tokyo Oh goodness me! Probably the food. <laughs> I think yeah. people have this. I well, I, I certainly did when I moved there. Um, I sort of was like, oh, I'm going to have sushi every day because that's like mm. all Japan is known for. But like the variety they actually have is amazing. Um, and I think half of it is the way they display things as well. Everything's <laughs> yeah. always so well presented. Or the plastic food. <laughs> the plastic <laughs> food outside the plastic beers. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and when we were in Tokyo, um, very quickly after I met you, you had a running injury and you gradually built up after that and got back to running and then arrived in London and in, <laughs> was in a small accident and again had an injury. Um, I was just wondering if you could chat about that for a little bit and also what you've learned from those two experiences and if that's helped or hindered your running and if you run differently because of that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's actually going back to that first 5k run that that was mm. the day that i injured myself um but it, the, uh, it actually begins sort of six months before probably yeah. in like october 2018 there was a small tear in my tendon in my left leg uh, which i didn't really it sort of slowly came on and then sort of went one day and that, that was it for probably six weeks um but I never really recovered properly and always just tried to get back into running as soon as I could. And I was, oh, I'll do a, a quick few miles just to test it. And I mean, it never worked. And it just compounded on that day where I did it five, 5K flat out and, you know, aggravated it so badly. <laughs> looking, looking back, I think giving it a chance to recover properly, like play the long game having having those short-term games you're only going to injure it more that was a really a huge lesson for me I just I can't not run through an injury even though my advice to anyone else would be take the rest I just can't and I'm always pushing myself back into running far too quickly yeah so true so you can't have it like we, we run because we love it right and yeah just to say for example you might be walking this was even the case for me like you'll be walking down the street perfectly fine you don't feel a thing and you'll think oh i must be able to run if i can walk i can run and then you know you put a little bit of pressure <laughs> really a little. Can't. yeah exactly <laughs> that like sort of that six months was very hit and miss in terms of my running experience yeah. and that lesson um so because then i got a place for chicago 2019 mm-hmm. which was obviously in october so all of my training i was kind of built up for the summer and i was really really careful not to like slowly increase the miles really really look after myself because i really wanted to uh 
sort of because I haven't actually run like a hard hard race since probably spring 2018 so I really wanted that chance after 18 months to do that sadly I got knocked off my bike uh which put an end to that I broke my toe uh, uh pretty badly so that took me out for six weeks and then took us to about mid-September mm. and then I had like three or four weeks of training to just sort of that I mean at that point it was a case of if I can get round that would be that would be great and thankfully I did that so it was a great experience yeah and um well. I guess you haven't had the best the best string of luck uh with races because this year you decided to do uh the run 12 project which if yes. I'm correct was that you were going to run 12 marathons in 12 different countries in aid of Alzheimer's research uh society yeah so coronavirus has kind of taken that opportunity away from you but could you just tell us a little bit about what the run 12 project was and why specifically you chosen the Alzheimer's society well the so the run 12 project is something that i've sort of thought about for a long time and it's actually going back to the fact that you know i've missed a lot of marathons like I, mm. sort of three in a row have been affected by injury effectively so i was like i really wanted to sort of you know this would give me a chance to like because you i mean you can't run 12 marathons all hard it would be a case of you know traveling the world seeing some sites um running these marathons while also giving back because you know i've always tried to sort of run for myself and run for times whereas i feel like i wanted to give something a bit um back through my running because i haven't really done that so far mm -hmm. um alzheimer society has always been kind of close to me just because it's affected my family a lot uh mm -hmm. i think yeah well three of my grandparents were were affected by the disease yeah it resonates a lot with me and i just wanted to kind of try and open people's eyes and inspire people if I can, I've got some great messages since I, since I announced it that, you know, people have taken up running. In fact, just a week or two ago, my cousin ran her first half marathon, um, mm. which was, which was really great to hear. And um, just like it gives people a vehicle to donate through obviously this project and these marathons, but also, yeah, it's, 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 it's great to hear people sort of getting out the door, especially during this. I know we're talking about coronavirus now having to uh, having such a big impact on, on the world and this project, etc. But it's great to see so many people sort of go, go into exercise. Like there are so few things we can do and running is one of them. Um, yeah. And running seems to just kind of looking out into the park. There's so many people that seem to be new to running. So I'm just really hoping people keep it up once uh, the lockdown's over. Oh, I so think true. it shows how how little you need. Like everything's shut down. We've got no access to gyms or anything like that. But yet running, you can still do. It's probably the most inclusive sport in the world, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. all you need is a pair of running shoes. How were people, uh, what was the idea behind donating for the run 12? Were they giving you kind of a, a set amount of sponsorship money per every marathon you did? Or was it just up to people to donate what they wanted to donate? I think it, you know, it was up to people, uh, up to people to donate what they wanted. Uh, it was just that, you know, I wanted to sort of show what running can give you. Like I love running and I wanted to broadcast that to people and just say, look, this is how running makes me feel. It can make you feel the same thing. Um, it's the sense of freedom. You can, you can go anywhere in the world and do it. It's not like, you know, say we play a game of football you can't just go to for example my first one was in marrakesh you can't just go to marrakesh and play a game of football whereas you can go there and run a race or a marathon and it is the only sport in the world where 
the elite and the general public share the same racetrack, say the share the same mm-hmm. course. So you have you have fans and the footballers in football, whereas the London Marathon, okay, it didn't happen this year, but you know you've got Mo Farah, you've got Elliot Kipchoge running exactly the same streets that you know the, the seven six seven hour marathon runners are doing, and it's I think that's I think that's amazing, and one of the beautiful things about running. And it's a very easy spectator sport as well as in London Marathon. You literally just you know line up at the end of the road. You don't have to get your tickets. It's just anyone that wants to be there and support and watch can be there doing that. Yeah, yeah and everyone gets up for it as well. I mean, you've yeah, seen the crowds. It's just London's biggest street party. <laughs> you know it. You know it. So you're supposed to do twelve marathons. You did two. I've right? done two, yes. Um, and yes. I think by the looks of things, they were quite extreme ones. Uh, could you just share which marathons they were and how, how they went? Yeah, so so the first one was Marrakesh. Uh, I started with kind of an Africa, Africa leg because the second one was in uh, Algeria, which was in the Sahara Desert, which was a mm-hmm. whole, other, whole other story. But uh, So the Marrakesh, yeah, that was in January. Um, it was a... 7 a.m. start and it was actually it was actually dark when we started which was pretty pretty weird but I remember stood at the start because it was it was something like two or three degrees stood at the start and it was absolutely freezing but it was due to get up to about 20 just in a couple of hours I was going to uh, ask what the temperature was and when you said two to three degrees I was almost embarrassed because I was thinking I was thinking it's going to be really really hot so you know you're stood at the start line absolutely freezing I was like in a I was in a big hoodie five minutes before the start and just tossed it aside shivered for five minutes and you know where you go and you actually run the first sort of layer the first maybe i don't know half an hour or hour or so you're just running towards the sun and you're just watching it rise it's it's pretty cool the special thing about marrakesh is like the medina the old town but you can't really run through there because it is mm-hmm. so old but a pretty cool a pretty cool race i'm really really glad i did it um what was the support like out there it was i mean it was really quiet i think there was maybe two or three sort of cheer spots okay. only, only really near the finish because even there were points where there was a, there was one particular point at around 10 miles where all the leaders of the half marathon came past with like the, you know the car mm-hmm. with all the times on it and the elites and then the marathon runners kind of went the long way and then came back i was running with like the back markers of the half marathon so <laughs> I guess in the in the final 5k or so you're overtaking all these half marathon runners it was Mm -hmm. quite um that was quite motivating yeah I had that in the first marathon I ever did which was Richmond and you do you meet at the end and I found it quite difficult because by that point you're so tired and you're you it gets quite congested and you're trying to push your way past without actually pushing anyone and you're so tired you know they're obviously concentrating on their race they've got a race to run whereas you're kind of (laughs) trying to come up like left right left right um and then your second one how did that go <laughs> so the second one is a pretty crazy story so that was the sahara desert marathon um mm-hmm. which was kind of right in the south of algeria which is basically there's nothing there <laughs> unfortunately about three days before i was due to leave because there was loads of visa delays uh, the flight i was due to get actually was fully booked and i only found this out about three days before and my only option was to fly the night before uh, before the race. And I, <laughs> so the race was at 10 a.m. on the Tuesday. And I arrived in the camp at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I got an hour's sleep. Uh, six o'clock, the alarm went off. 
I had to be out the door at 6.15. So I had to, like, um, you know, get all my kit ready, mm-hmm. get everything on, get, pack all my bag, all my gels and stuff. Um, it was just it was just crazy. And then off I went. I didn't really have any time to think about what I was doing or time to get nervous. We got taken to this big tent where there was, you know, breads and jams and um, biscuits for um, tea, coffee, etc. As, as breakfast. And then it was, you know, okay, eat breakfast, get on a bus, take you to the start. There's the there's the changing rooms. There's the start. Which would the start? I mean, it was literally like two wooden posts and a flag. It was just <laughs> that's so nice, isn't it? It was it's really just... nice. There must have been maybe a hundred people doing it, and um, all the because it was in a refugee camp, so all like the families were coming out and supporting. And there was a kids race. It was really it. You know, it was a really really nice event. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't recommend running a marathon on an hour's sleep. Yeah, how did that go? <laughs> Those last few miles are hard enough as it is. I met I actually met someone kind of on the transfer from the airport mm. and who was equally as late as you. Who <laughs> was equally as late as me. They weren't running okay. the marathon, they were doing the half. Oh, okay. But still still crazy. And he was saying, Yeah, um I I did it last year. This is my first marathon and the second half is always is, is way harder. <laughs> and I did look at I mean, looking back at my first marathon. I would have said the second half is harder, but that's just because it was my first marathon and I yeah. was so prepared. And I didn't know whether to take that with a pinch of salt. But anyway, going forward to race day, so I was, you know, running through the desert and it was, to be honest, for the first half, it was pretty okay. It was like, it was lots of sort of dirt packed sand. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it wasn't like you were no crossing over dunes and maybe not what people imagine deserts to be it was quite kind of a dirt road yeah um and then we arrived in kind of the middle the middle camp and ran through and got loads of support which was super nice um and then the second half we started entering like soft sand dunes (laughs) considering the, the extreme nature of the marathon it was i think it was very well run Mm -hmm. and the course was marked by kind of white rocks just placed every hundred meters or so um so you just have to kind of follow that Um, there was actually one point where i got a bit lost and i couldn't see a white rock because it was buried in the sand Uh, (laughs) they were like that way they were kind of pointing to go that way um yeah i mean looking back that's the second half of that marathon was so so hard and you know, by that because because it, it didn't it started at ten a.m. So by the time you're in the second half, you're like past midday. You're in the peak sun. It was maybe twenty eight, twenty nine degrees. Um, it's so strange how different those two marathons are. So they're both in very hot places, yet one's starting early and one's kind of pushing you further and further through the day. Because I did it in about three three and a half hours, which which I was actually really happy That's with. Really impressive. Yeah. yeah, I was so happy with that. But you know, these there, there are lots of people doing it. In, I mean, even getting to the line in those in those conditions is an unbelievable effort. And mm. yeah, I, I couldn't have imagined being out there in the sun longer because I was because <laughs> I, I was doing some videos as I was going around, and I was looking at them after, and my face my face is so red at the end, covered in salt. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, it was. Uh, it was tough but I, you know it was such a unique experience it was absolutely amazing mm, um, it sounds like it and it's i'm quite jealous of your your run 12 um idea i think it's a really great idea um unfortunately obviously it has taken a turn for the worse and that you can't do the rest of the marathons this year i'm i'm assuming what is your plan going forward 
So <laughs> I don't really have much of a plan just because <laughs> it, everything's can't. there is so much unknown. Yeah. Um, so I that I mean I I planned you know Barcelona, Paris, London, all in the first half of the year, all of which have been postponed. Even mm-hmm. Berlin in September has been postponed. So it's really hard to come up with a plan of you know do I do it later this year do I kind of finish the year do I move it to next year or do I kind of come up with something different because (laughs) doing Sahara again is uh, is hard to take but it's something that I'm thinking about and I think until we get more clarity on the coronavirus situation it's 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 really hard to and obviously I want to kind of honor what I said as well so yeah all these people have committed (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were giving money. you loads of money. You've only ran two of the twelve. I've only run two, so I need to. I need to at least do something for them. Yourself a new challenge at the moment while we're in lockdown of um, one month, one mile. Is that right? At the end of last year, I joined Pergy Performance, um, mm-hmm. which is the uh, Charlotte Pergy and Adam Clark uh, coaching team. So they they tried to you know keep all their athletes motivated by saying let's do a one month one mile challenge where you run a mile as quickly as you can and then a month later try to beat it mm-hmm. um yeah so i've actually <laughs> so i've got mine in two days time my second mile okay so I, I did uh five five minutes six uh four weeks mm-hmm. ago and yeah i've got to try and beat that on on sunday so and are you training for that or is it just kind of a, a fun see how see where i'm at a month later kind of yeah thing? so it's it's very much just a i think it's just a fun thing um mm-hmm. it's something to you know keep keep the mind occupied with everything being cancelled obviously it's hard to keep that motivation yeah i think really a lot hard. of runners including myself i don't know how you feel yeah i've been using my running as a just a nice thing to do in the day because it's the only time you can get out. I've been using my camera a lot more, just taking oh, yeah. pictures of quiet London and, and enjoying my running and not thinking about the time or just thinking about what a nice chance it is to get out of some fresh air. With no races on the horizon, you don't know when you're going to have a next um, next race. It's nice to have something to focus on and this is a great way of doing it. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good idea. Someone told me today about... Um, a 5k challenge where you try and run your fastest 5k but you can stop your watch as many times as you like so i oh, guess it's kind of bringing in the yeah bringing in the mental game of like do you do it in you know one minute and then you have a break and do another minute or do you do it one kilometer at a time so I'm, i might give that one a go just for the fun of it what's your tactic going to be for that either a downhill stretch oh nice do. yeah or i was th- i was thinking quite keen on one minute because i think after a minute your legs start to feel a bit funny if you're going all out yeah i'll keep you posted <laughs> do it do it over like a month yeah uh, yeah there must be some rules like, there must be a one, yeah. one go but i guess 100 meter sprints for the next month um well thank you for sharing all of that um you have cheated because i know you've listened to one of the previous podcasts so you know what i'm about to ask you i'm just going to ask you one word which sums up how running's changed your life yeah so sorry i have i have cheated, cheated. on this one mm-hmm. um <laughs> and I've managed to think about it. So I would say my word is passion. Okay. Uh, it's when I first started running, it was just something to do with friends. Uh, and it was yeah. just a way of kind of filling the days really. Um, but it has turned into something that, you know, I talk so passionately about and that I have, 
you know, I revolve my life around effectively. You know, I'm doing mm-hmm. this run 12 challenge and everything is, oh, well, I need to consider all my holidays or whatever I do. It's always, okay, I've got this training on Sunday. I've got this run or blah, blah, blah. So it's given me a passion. It's given me something that I love and sort of inspiring others or even talking to others about what it can do in the community, like these chats with you, for example. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's given me... It's given me some some passion that's my word that's a really nice answer thank you so much thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast if you want to learn more about ben or visit his website then you can head to runningmancook.com i'll be back next week with one final episode in this podcast series if you want to keep up to date with everything follow along at marathon medic or head to marathonmedic.com. Oh.